prepare yourselves for a journey through history. Get equipped for adventure. Grab your power gloves and super scopes, for it's dangerous to go alone. This is the Legend of Retro. Welcome to this week's Legend of Retro podcast. I'm your host, Chops. And Chops. Chops. Oh. Yeah. S- is that Snake? Is that you? Chops. I've been sitting in the woods for hours. I've been eating plants and animals all day. That's that's good. I mean, I guess it's a good, healthy diet. All right. What what do what can I do for you? I. I feel like I've been getting a little sick after all these tree frogs I've been eating. Oh, yeah. You're not supposed to like, did you eat them raw? You're supposed to cook them. They just look so colorful. (laughs) Okay, well, I'm going to call the colonel and have him like send you some Pepto-Bismol or something. Colonel. Yeah. yeah, Yes. The colonel. (laughs) Anyways, (laughs) thank you. Thank you, Snake Craig WK for that wonderful impression. If you're going to the colonel, pick me up a bucket of chicken wings. Oh, God. God. I'm going to talk like that for the whole episode. I hope you're ready. Perfect. I am ready for it. Uh, This week, we're talking about Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater. Yeah, it was directed by Hideo Kojima, developed by Konami for the PlayStation 2, and released on November 17th of 2004, This action-adventure stealth game tells a story that takes place 31 years before the events of Metal Gear, where the operative Naked Snake must rescue a Russian rocket scientist, sabotage a weapon of mass destruction, and assassinate his former boss who is defected to the opposition. Yes, so before we get into when when we played this, which, spoiler alert, Craig, have you? Uh, I've never touched it. Okay, great. Um, I want to I want to lay out the uh, lay out the storyline here for you. Mm-hmm. Metal Gear Solid Three Snake Eater, third in the Metal Gear Solid series. Kind quote unquote. There's like other like virtual uh, missions and stuff like that. Is set in 1964, 31 years, like you said, before the original Metal Gear game, which is the Nintendo. I appreciate that uh, the enemies are, of course, the Soviets, because that was the uh, the foes that uh, any patriotic person would have had in the 1960s. I mean, it's still weird to me that, like, I don't know, I guess I guess if you're doing something of the era of the 60s, that is your typical like worldwide enemy. But is it, it's a Japanese game, you know, it, but well, with like Japan but with like American like ask uh, in british ask like warfare keep in mind though japan historically has not ever really been a huge fan of russia well that's true that's true so so this takes place in 1964 like i said third game in the series 31 years before metal gear so the newest game that came out the phantom pain takes place in 1984 so the 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 general idea of how this series has gone is uh, back when the original Metal Gear was released, uh-huh. it is like just after halfway point in the plot line of all the games released. And then the newest game is directly a direct prequel to the original Metal Gear games. So this game, the third in the Metal Gear Solid series, 
is the basically the original story, first story of the whole series in general. This is the earliest game in the pl- okay. in the plot line. So, off the bat, I just want to say, if you like Metal Gear, you like it for what it is. If you don't like Metal Gear, the plot lines will confuse you to no end. Yes, they it do. It makes no sense. It makes no sense. I, uh, I, I, Hideo Kojima is, on one hand, a very amazing creator, and on the other hand, a maniac. Yeah, he's a mad scientist. Like, there's genius in there, but it's subtly crazy or obviously crazy granted yeah. he, he made a game that was all about delivering packages in a post-apocalyptic world and you carry around a, a basically a fetus with you like it was so weird kojima yeah he's a real weird dude and i feel like sometimes he pushes hard on that artsy kind of style mm-hmm. and i think sometimes it works out in his benefit i think that for a game like this from what i know of it I think that he did a very good job of balancing gameplay and that artsy kind of style. I feel like with other games he's made, uh, maybe he went a little too far in the artsy direction. It's that idea of like constraint in art can help develop something really well. You know what I mean? So like when you try to do something that's a little bit too artsy or too freeing, you kind of lose sometimes a focus or a focal point of whatever story or whatever art you're trying to produce. Uh, But when you try to put things through a lens and focus it and have like one key thing and allow that art to express through those kinds of focuses, um, it, 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 comes out in like a real unique style so like this espionage series this combat shooter stealth game as a lens for his art piece is why he's so successful with this series even though it's convoluted and it's got weird stuff throughout it it's because of this he focused it through this lens of espionage Mm -hmm. that i think is super like I don't want to say generic, but like it's everybody can kind of like find an appeal to it, I think. Yeah, it's very I, worldwide. Sure. I mean, look at something like James Bond, you know, mm-hmm. it is immensely popular. And yeah, it, it's that espionage series. If you look at uh, uh, what is it? The Born Identity series. Mm-hmm. If you look at uh, Mission Impossible series, you know, they're all very successful and very kind of. You know, like you said, not necessarily generic, but they're very accessible to a yes, wide variety of people. That's what I was looking for. So so he's he's made this game, Snake Eater, that is a prequel and kind of sets up really the whole story of who Snake is from Met- from uh, throughout the whole series, because it's kind of a name that changes people. So you have in Metal Gear Solid, you have Snake. In this game, you have Naked Snake, which, spoiler, ends up being Big Boss, who is like the main protagonist that was defined in the Metal Gear Solid series as like the father of Snake, this this epic like pariah of 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 spying. Like he's this well known figure of espionage that kind of looms over the whole series. Yeah, so to make sure that I have this straight, so like uh, in this game, Naked Snake essentially becomes boss, big boss, whatever he gets called later. And then he's sort of the father 
through cloning, I think it is, of like Liquid Snake and Solid Snake, who are like, you know, Solid Snake is the main character of Metal Gear Solid, right? Yep. So uh, it's called uh, Les Enfants to. Uh something uh, terrible or something like that uh i had it earlier but anyways it's it's a um a, a like branch of government called foxhound where they they took cells and dna from big boss because he was their greatest soldier and his mentor who you meet in this game or not mentor i'm sorry his love interest that you meet in this game bears his DNA and has children and has the modern day snake and then liquid snake, which are the brothers. Okay. All right. I, yeah, this series is just so, yeah, it is convoluted. It's the thing, the thing I like about this game the most is that it, it sets up big boss with the same kind of feeling as you got when you played metal gear solid. So it's like that, that like new, spy where he's like known for being really a ba Uh and really good at his job but he's a ghost like nobody knows who he is and 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 is just this this tool of the government yeah and you see they're very parallel in their lives and you see how 1964's snake becomes big boss through all the games that are released and then you see how metal gear solid snake stays a hero and kind of becomes this this hero and figure at the end all the way through um guns of the patriot metal gear solid five uh or four i think um where where his story ends and then the fifth one was the prequel to the main series that had come out so I know I probably confused a lot of people, but but I just wanted to set that up up front that this is the origin really of that line of snake, we'll say, that is portrayed throughout the games. I I will say, uh, like I said, I, I I I have a bit of an issue with the you know uh, Hideo Kojima auteur style of like directing games. Uh, you know, where I think sometimes he goes a little too off the rails. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I have to give him credit for the fact that, you know, there are so many of these games and they're all contained within this universe. Metal Gear, Metal Gear, what is it? Metal Gear, Metal Gear 2, Metal Gear Solid, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. You know, I, there's so many games and I give him a lot of credit. And uh, despite the fact that I... Um, you know, uh, hesitant to call him a like a uh, like super amazing. Like I'm willing to admit that he is an amazing person, but like I myself subjectively am like iffier on Kojima. Uh, mm-hmm. But I I'm certainly uh, I, I I certainly you know regret for his sake the fact that he cut ties with Konami. And now he does not have control of this project that he made from like game one to this like last game. How many however many games there are in the Metal Gear series, uh, and that has to be rough for him. It's kind of sad too because like like I almost feel like that this game, regardless of it being the series developed in a video game format, almost feels like if you had placed him in any other time frame like before video games were developed, this would be a spy series of novels. Or if it was the seventies, it would be a spy series of movies or a television. Like 
he he thinks in a very cinematic sense and it's kind of that idea of like marvel where they have like these directors that build these big name things where they use properties that marvel has but then they may not stay with that length of that film's trilogy and a different director comes in and it's almost like someone's using like your child like and pretending like, oh, I'm their dad now. Um, not saying that step, not saying that stepdads are bad or anything, or step parents are bad. But it, it's it's that kind of idea of almost like it's a used thing that that new person is holding onto. It doesn't mean the same in their hand as it did in the original person's hand. And I feel that way strongly about the fact that Konami retained this series. Granted, they haven't really done an amazing job with it, but I also don't think that like. <laughs> Could uh, Kojima is not the guy you can like predict, like right. what what to do next. It's the same thing. I like I would equate it to how the creator, how J uh, or um, JR um, Tolkien. Uh, no, uh, I'm not JR. Sorry, um, the guy who did Game of Thrones. Um, oh, George, George R. 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 How how the series was like. Yeah, we won't wait for his books, and they did their thing, and they're like, oh, we did terrible, and like <laughs> just shows like it's so hard to take and predict from this person who created it and try to keep it that same feeling. And, and that definitely is something that's happened with this series. Yeah, for sure. And I, and I think uh, you, you actually nailed the, the reason why I'm iffy on Kojima is that his games are very cinematic and, you know, certain times like uh, there's a scene er- earlier in snake eater that is certainly cinematic that i think is actually kind of cool and sort of works in a video game sense uh but so many of his games have like set pieces and stuff that are so cinematic that it's like wow i'm so kind of not happy this is a video game and not a movie yeah it's um it's you definitely get a different feeling playing his games it's it's a experience more than i feel like it's a video game Mm -hmm. in some respects in his character development and the dialogue and the storytelling um but like i said it's it's a lens for him to express his art yeah and and we've talked a lot about the series in general um so I don't know if you want to if we should move into the specifics of the game. Sure. Uh, so the one one of the things I wanted to ask you about. So I'm sort of an outsider uh, to this game. I, I only know the gist of the Metal Gear series, you know, from what I've heard from you and uh, my buddy Vinny, uh, who who's no doubt every time I'm like, oh, I'm not a huge fan of Kojima. He's just like, oh. I but I I. What can you tell me about the close quarters combat system that got introduced into this game? Yeah, so that is like if I had equated to like modern day representation, you've seen the John Wick movies? Uh, Yeah, sure. You know how he like shoots up close, but then like gets in fights and then shoots up close and then fist punches or hits with your like think of it as like that's the modern day version of CQC is that it's this combat based system that involves disarming and close quarters combat while also being able to maintain uh, a firearm or a weapon as well within that close fighting. So whereas like a handgun or something would be used at like a medium distance, um, being able to transition from that to close to fighting to maybe using it up close or moving back out to that mid range. Um, and it was a, 
it's it's vaguely seen like a little bit in Metal Gear Solid where like the idea of like you could just like punch guys and then throw them over your shoulder yeah. um, is like the most basic form of it. But it, it was introduced in this one where it, it kind of provided a little bit more of, I think, of a more of like a realistic kind of espionage type thing because if you think back to like any spy movie any spy series like there's always a point where they're like going around a corner and they see a guard and like they've got to like disarm them so like they're either like choking them out or they're like beating the crap out of their face and then like dragging them off to somewhere to hide that's essentially what the mechanic is in the game is that Uh it allows you to do that that aspect of true fighting i feel like you would get in a real espionage movie I gotcha. I also appreciate that uh, this game seemed to kind of uh, uh, expand on uh, the stealth aspect where like you could get different like face paints. I read online. Yeah, yeah. Camo. Different camo. Yeah, yeah. So you like legit like there's like a camo meter where like when you lay in grass, it uh, it like tells you how well you are in like your rating of blending in with the environment. And throughout the game you can get different patterns to match the different environments because it's it takes place in a jungle which is also completely different from the series being more urban and uh, oriented beforehand so they threw in this camo element where like you can just straight up like you change his color patterns or whatever and it changes all his clothes patterns and including his face paint and you just like can lie prone in the ground right next to a guy and if your camo is the right camo he won't see you at all <laughs> that's like, pretty great and it's just a really it's dumb but it's it's a cool aspect especially in in for the ps2 because you didn't have that in any other game like in in a way that i felt was like meaningful like you'd have like your skins or your colors in like call of duty games or like shooting games didn't do anything this directly affects how well you're seen in your environment because you're supposed to stealth around um and so there's like tons of different patterns and like all sorts of different environments because there's you go you're in jungle so there's like sometimes there's more grass sometimes there's more fauna sometimes uh, there's I think I think there might even be snow at some point or or smoke or something like that um, or dirt there's like points where you're in mud and you can like get like a mud pattern um, so it's uh, that that aspect of it was I thought pretty sweet. I also uh, read that uh, there's like a, a more detailed injury system where like if you hurt, like if you break a leg or something, you have to like patch it up, uh, like get the, the like the splint or whatever. Yeah. Or it like or you won't be able to get your max HP back. Yeah. So like, I mean, if you think about it, it's 1964. And the Metal Gear Solid game was like in the 80s or 90s. And at at that time, like, you know, there's like generic rations you can eat to restore your health with this. It's a little bit more survivor, we'll say. Like, you got to do a little bit more healing in different ways to maintain your your health. And um, with it being 1964, it's very much like there's this like futuristic technology aspect to it with like some of the weapons and some of the radio systems and things like that that you use. But like you're straight up, your like health stuff is still like splints and bandages. Uh-huh. Like it's like, there's no drugs. There's no like autumn healing type things. Um, you're eating animals, like you're catching and cooking animals in this game, like to, to get your health back at some points. 
And uh, that was another thing I was going to uh, ask you about. So, so uh, you like, depending on what you eat, can that, you know, give you different benefits or different hindrances? It gives you, you, you'll health, your health will change differently. And then I, and I, it's been a while since I played the game, but I think there even might be like poisonous stuff that if you eat, it regenerates your health, but it does have a side effect. I think there's some stuff that might like, you might lose health over time or, um, it, you might lose max health, but you might recover up to that. Um, I don't remember specifics on it, but yeah, there's, you have to be careful when you're eating tree frogs and snakes. <laughs> And uh, perhaps the most important thing I saw is that the PlayStation 2 version had an Ape Escape minigame. I I guess so. Yes, there yes there is. I don't I don't want to admit it, but do you remember Ape Escape? I think we've talked oh, about. This I remember Ape Escape. The the little uh, uh, apes that have the like crazy helmets, and you gotta like uh, uh, it's a game. It was like the first Dual Shock controller. Uh, game that uh, had uh, the two joysticks, I think, because it was uh, you had to use that, uh, uh, and like your character had what, like essentially a giant butterfly net. Yeah, essentially, yeah. It, it was um, it was the weirdest game. I remember getting it and as a demo, and then trying it out with my DualShock controllers, and then also realizing I had to get one of those first before I could even play the demo. That was <laughs> that was a fun moment. But yeah, um, there's like a mini game where the uh, your your colonel or your boss or, or the guy leading the mission for Snake uh, says that you have to go and catch a bunch of monkeys causing mayhem uh, in the jungle. And um, there, there are locations that are set in the campaign. Um, but then you have to go around and find basically the exact monkeys with with the helmets on and um (laughs) you're in the jungle and your camo that's permanently equipped while you're playing it is the banana camouflage (laughs) so it's like a banana pattern camo that's amazing Uh, yeah yeah it's pretty it's pretty funny like they have no no problem poking fun at themselves in the in the snake game, in the Metal Gear Solid games. Well, I mean, you know, if you look at like even the first Metal Gear Solid, there's so many weird, wacky lines and moments and stuff. And so fourth wall breaking. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I and that's like that in this game too. Just there's a lot a, of jokes and stuff. That and so there's a there's a boss called. Oh, uh, I always get him mixed up. It's not the, f- it's the, I'll get it here in just a second. Because we have what, the um, fear, the fury, the pain, and the sorrow? Yes. Um, I think it's the fee, no, it's the, the end is what I'm thinking of. So the end is a sniper in the game. He's this old, old, old sniper who is said in the game to be the guy who basically defines modern sniping in in combat and he has this parrot with him uh-huh and you could shoot the parrot and it and it hurts him like it frustrates him and it and you can win and you can beat him easier if you shoot the parrot i think but but what the other funny thing is that you get to the point where you fight him if you run away and you let your game sit for a week when you go back into the game, he died of old age. You don't have to fight him. 
<laughs> no, it, it's moments like that where I feel like Kojima kind of gets that this is a video game and that you can do things that only a video game can do, mm-hmm. you know, with this with this sort of way of expressing yourself. Like, it's moments like that where I feel like, well, maybe Kojima gets it. And then I hear about, like, you know, half-hour-long cutscenes, and then it's like, oh, yeah, okay, maybe right. he doesn't. He, he gets it, and he doesn't. Um, and you can also fight the end. Like, you can kill the end early in the game so that when his fight comes up, you don't fight him. Oh, yeah. So there's there's really unique things in this game that are are so weird. Um, since it's a prequel, there's a character in here called Ocelot, which I'm sure you remember Revolver Ocelot. Oh, yeah. He's the, the uh, cool dude with the uh, revolver from Metal Gear Solid. Yes, he's major Ocelot in this. And he's like a younger kid. And there's a whole part in the game where um, you can't kill him because it it corrupts the timeline of the game series and it says <laughs> when he dies or gets hurt too bad it's like timeline corrupted and you have to start over oh man that's great <laughs> i mean that's that's a really i feel like they could have done that in a less video gamey way which is right. funny that like kojima now goes too far into the video game right but, you know, he also had a uh, a villain named Psycho Mantis who would tell you that you played too much Castlevania. So, you know, I mean, I guess uh, I'm just nitpicking at this point. Yeah. So this this whole game is rich with characters all about Russian espionage in the jungle. It's got like all the best parts of of like uh, an espionage film and series. Uh-huh. Plus, it's got weird sci fi elements to it because of the technology used and the nuclear bombs and and like the fury and the pain like the pain can control hornets yeah that that kind of is crazy yeah that creeps me out thinking about it and uh and it's and it's the start of this series of games the story-wise that have been hugely popular and um it's one of my favorite games in the series, if not the favorite one, because of its uniqueness from the others. It, it they really took the a, a step away from the urban environment, but kept the heart of what the game series is like. Mm-hmm. And like I said, with the chokes at themselves that they do, the different weird things you can do, the theme song, which we'll get to in a little bit, um, it it just it it is a. I don't know. It's almost like a perfect game, in my opinion, in the series. I, I if I had to wager, and, and you know, not that I'm an expert on Metal Gear Solid, but from what I know of the series, I feel like this is hailed as perhaps the best, uh, if not one of the best. And I, I think from what I know of the encounters with the bosses, uh, the story, of course, is a little convoluted because it's tying everything in from the very first, you know, MSX game, yeah. Metal Gear, to you know, I, uh, I, uh, uh, you know, this PlayStation Two title. You know, it's tying all this stuff in. I, uh, you know, so it's it's a bit on the odd side when it comes to storytelling, but uh, I I think that you're probably right. I think this is probably about the best of the series. And uh, I do like the the. We'll get into the the music here soon, but I I I enjoy the fact that you hear the theme song to the game while you're climbing that ladder, 
and like yes. the ladder lasts as long as the song lasts it's like the the basically you listen to that song as you climb this ladder to to you know go further <laughs> what, in the game what's great is leading up to that ladder is the tunnel of death which is basically the tunnel is as long as how many people you've killed and oh, it boy. shows like ghosts of like the people as you walk by and so if you shoot the parrot from the end <laughs> the ghost of the parrot flies by <laughs> it's so funny and like all the all the bugs that, or all the animals that you've killed too it's super funny and and like i remember my brother was watching me play at this point and i'm like this tunnel is taking forever and then we realized it's everybody that i've killed and it's just like a ton of people and like the music starts to build for the theme near the end of the tunnel um but like it's like the the instrumental so like the instrumental went on for a while before i get to the ladder and then it built to this song while you're climbing like it was like one of my best experiences in a video games because i'm just like this is so stupid this isn't worth it this is wait a minute what is happening i'm climbing this and then the music kicks in and i'm like oh this is so great (laughs) what was i thinking this is so worth it yeah i i feel like that all in all the the i've heard of the 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 tunnel of death in this game and you know uh, uh, you know, some of the encounters, like I said, and yeah, I feel like, uh, uh, that, that is just a really cool moment that is certainly cinematic, but it doesn't push so far into a lack of gaming and bad game design. It, I still yeah. feel like it kind of ties into good game design and stuff and it doesn't go too far off the rails. Well, I mean, it's it's a story. Video gaming is storytelling that's interactive, and you know, in a in a normal playthrough, like yeah, that that could, tunnel could be really long. But the fact that like there's, it's it's a building of of like death, like it's a building of like almost feeling like regret or whatever you feel when you're walking through it, and to get to this tunnel or in this, this ladder, and then it builds the theme of the song, which is like a triumphant, jazzy, James Bond-esque song. And it is as long as the song, it is cinematic in its timing and its in its emotion that it evokes because it's it's an espionage game. Like, it's not... In, in, at its base level, like, it, it doesn't really evoke too much inf- emotion, I would think. Mm-hmm. But because of the music, because of the campiness, because of these weird Kojima features, it becomes an, a storytelling experience that's unlike other games of its genre. You don't get this in Splinter Cell. That's that's boring Tom Clancy stuff. That's the everyday like normal men read that, and they're like the normal men who read boring things. Kojima is like the weird nerds who read espionage stories that have weirdness to them like you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so it's so it's because of him that a scene like that is what it is if it was anybody else it would just be boring yeah no i i'm willing to contend uh uh contend to that of course so i mean it's a game that i i played when it first came out played it with my my brother would watch my dad would watch um you know, my brother started my love of the series and um, 
I, again, like I said, I, I was one of my favorite games. I played a ton of it. Like nowadays, when I think about going through and playing it, because it is such a, it's a long game and it's slow. I have no attention span for it, which is sad because I'm just impatient. I want to, I want a linear storyline that pushes me through the story. That's really good. Um, but I, if you're into metal gear solid, if you like Kojima for his current stuff, which should not be representation of what he's done. Check out Snake Eater. Uh, it, it can, you. I still think you can experience the charm and and the the fun of the game without playing the others. Um, but you won't get the full picture if you don't play the first two Metal Gear Solid games. Oh, for sure. I yeah, that's Kojima's style is that it's all linked together. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I would almost argue that you can't fully enjoy Metal Gear Solid without having played Metal Gear, Metal Gear Two, Metal Gear Solid Two, and like you know, I feel like he 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 almost like retroactively makes his games like you know meaningful. Or, or, yeah, like well, no, it's almost. I mean, arguably sure, but I uh, uh, I feel like he he almost retroactively makes all the games in the series that he's done required playing in order to fully oh, yeah. appreciate what you're currently playing. I, can, uh, I, I never played the NES version and or MSX version when it came out. Like I didn't play that before I played solid, um, which is fine. Cause it's almost just like the story he wanted to tell basically. Essentially. Yeah. <laughs> I, I feel I, like metal gear on uh, msx uh because the nintendo version is a lesser version of the msx version from what i understand yeah, it is uh, but i i feel like yeah he he sat down to make metal gear solid and he was just like you know i mean it was kind of like uh when uh oh what's his name uh mikami i think the dude's name is the guy who made, uh, did resident evil like he made sweet home on nintendo and was like oh you know this playstation hardware can really handle a lot more and essentially just kind of remade sweet home into resident evil i feel like that's kind of what kojima did with metal gear solid well and this game was supposed to be for ps3 oh i read that i i read that uh it was taking too long and so they were just like whatever playstation 2 yep um which now that i think about it craig now do i when i get my office back up do I just play through all the Metal Gear games chronologically? So I start with Snake Eater. That would be kind of a fun way of going about it. And then jump into like uh, uh, the uh, MSX so, games. Well, and then... Portable Ops is next, which I think is a PSP game. Oh, Lord. Um, and then Peace Walker, which I think is a PS2 game. I have oh, no, no so idea. I don't, I don't know. There's there's. Two games, yeah. Portal Ops and Peace Walker, I don't really know. Ground Zeroes was the game released before Phantom Pain, which is the newest one. And then you get Metal Gear, which is the MSX. And then Solid Snake, which is the second one, I think. Um, and then you right. get Metal Gear Solid, Sons of Liberty, Guns of Patriots, and then Rising Revengeance, which I would just probably skip because it's a stupid game. It has to do with the character Raiden, I think. And the, oh, yeah, yeah. That hack and slash, I think, or action. I don't know. It's stupid. I don't want to play that. I'll they also, what's it. funny, 
what's funny is in this in this game, um, because of such the negative reaction of Raiden in the Met- Metal Gear Solid series, they make fun of that character in Snake Eater. <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird to me that like it feels like Kojima is you know like that that guy you know at school who you'd like do something to make fun of and then they just roll with it. You'd be like, man, you smell funny. And they'd be like, oh man, yeah, that's me. I'm a funny smelling guy. And like, yep. you'll always just every time you talk to that person for the rest of your life, they're like, oh, it's me, the funny smelling guy. And it's like, yeah, okay, I get it. I feel like that's Koji with Raiden. He was like, right, it's going to be cool. He's a pretty boy and he's like a ninja. This is going to be cool. And everybody hated him. And then he came back and was like, oh no, really? That sucked, didn't it, guys? Yeah, yeah, that guy was dumb, wasn't he? It's hey, like nice try. Next game, nice try, Kojima. <laughs> Don't buy that for a second. You loved that ninja guy. Oh, I mean, he loves UPS too. He's never going to live that down. <laughs> really, really loves postal services, <laughs> right? And babies, and weird. I don't I know. I'm not even going to get into it. Yes. Weird babies. Let's just say that I was going to go somewhere else with that. And I do not want to go down that yeah, path. It's probably for the best. Uh, Chubbs, is there any uh, other things that you wanted to chat about? Like uh, maybe. Uh, uh, speed oh, speedruns. Yeah. So I did look up speedrunning. So one of the big things with this game series is that there's a mode that's like the extreme mode where if you get no alerts and you I think it's you don't kill anybody. Uh-huh. Um you get like a special ranking. Uh, it's called Foxhound. And uh, there's a category called the European Extreme category. That's, that's a new game category. And uh, you get that Foxhound rank. The first place person, Major Zero, beat it in one hour, 16 minutes, and 10 seconds. And um, there's like some things that they use to optimize, like load times. Um, you can use turbo and stuff too. Oh. Um, there's there's tons of different categories for this game, um, but it's really fun to see. Like with with the Metal Gear Sol- Solid series, there's a lot of ambient control that you can do. So like you can knock on a wall and a guard will hear it and go to that spot. Yeah. So it's really cool how they're able to like know exactly like the rain, the field of focus of the guards and like where to throw things or where to make a noise for them to go this way. And you can like, they literally like run right past them, <laughs> but because they're like field of view is here, like they don't get caught, you know, so they're just skirting around the edges of their vision. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. It's probably one of the most uh, heavy executable series of speedrunning that, that I've seen. Um, because like if you do one thing wrong, it throws off the whole the whole pattern. So um, I don't know. I really enjoy them, but I also really enjoy the games. I could totally see somebody watching this speed run and being like, I don't I don't know what's going on. They're skipping everything. And uh, yeah, they shoot tranquilizer darts. And that's about it. Um, so I don't know. I found it. I find it really fun and interesting. So if you if you like that kind of stuff, go and check it out. Yeah, I, I think I will, actually, because that does sound interesting watching people just, you know, know every like tiny minutia of that game. Yep. Uh, but uh, Chops, uh, what do you say? We take a brief pause, hear a word from one of our partners and jump on into the music. Let's do it. 
Hey, it's me, everybody, Tim Kittrow. I'm here to talk to you about Old School Gamer. Old School Gamer is the magazine for gamers. It covers arcade and retro gaming, gives you gaming history and in-depth interviews with people like me who are there, and it lets you know what conventions are happening and when. Issues come out once every other month. Plus, a website full of even more razzle-dazzle, and it's all for just 30 bucks a year. So visit OldSchoolGamer.com and subscribe now. Whoa, boom all right, chops. So, the music was composed by Harry Gregson Williams and Norihiko Hibino, with Cynthia uh, Cynthia Harrell providing the voice of the theme to Snake Eater. Now, Harry has worked on Metal Gear Solid Two, Four, and Five, as well as some movies like oh, Shrek. Oh, really? <laughs> okay. And Shrek Two. And Shrek the Third. Shrek the Third. What about Shrek the Halls? He's also worked on TV specials like Shrek the Halls. Yes, yes. Are you happy that I know that? Uh, I'm actually a little disappointed that I couldn't drop that bobshell on you, but that's all right. Let's just keep rolling <laughs> with the punches. Uh, I actually really like Shrek the Halls. Of course it's, you do. It's such a dumb scene. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm judging you so harshly right now. I know, and I don't care. <laughs> Norihiko? There's, there's this part in Shrek oh God. The yeah. where, where, where Santa is like this villain to the gingerbread family because he eats them. <laughs> it, it's so funny to me. That's actually pretty delightful now that I'm thinking about it. I, I'm going to have to apparently catch that next Christmas. <laughs> yep. I. Uh, so Norihiko... Uh, has worked on a bunch of the Metal Gear games, as well as Yu-Gi-Oh! games, and he also did Boktai, uh 1 and 2. That's a martial arts uh, series, right? No, Boktai is the uh, Konami games that were uh, that had the solar panel that you had to play out in the sun. What? Have you, You've never heard of Boktai? I don't know what you're talking about. Dude. Boktai is about like this, like, uh, I think he's like a vampire hunter and your gun is solar powered. There's like a panel on your game cart that has to have solar you know, energy put into it. And that's what powers your gun in the game. Is it called the soul gun? I think so. Uh, it's called so, like Boktai. The sun is in your hands, or something like that. There's, I think, a reference to that in the in the Battle Network series. There's a chip called the Soul Gun, which is like a vamp, like a gun that produces sunlight. Oh, I, I mean, think that's Soul is, I think, Latin for light or the sun. So it might just be a play on that. But uh, oh yeah, because that would be Capcom. This is Konami. We're right. I know. I think it was. I don't know. I'll have to. I'll have to look it up because it might be a reference. There. I'm not sure. I mean, that would have been. I'm very sure Boktai would have been out around the time of the battle uh, battle network the ad- games. Advance, yeah. I uh, now most interestingly, we have Cynthia Harrell. She has had a very interesting life. Chops. Oh yeah. She grew up singing in a church. I believe her family were like reverends. I believe, like her grandfather was. If I'm not mistaken on that. Uh, at a young age, she started off with McDonald's commercial jingles, singing okay. those. Uh, she was one of the background singers in the Be Like Mike Gatorade commercial. Okay. She's the singer 
for Symphony of the Night's I Am the Wind end credit song. Oh. And of course, she is the singer of Snake Eater. Now, uh, she's currently retired, uh, but uh, I just thought that she had a really interesting uh, career. Now she's a boss in this in this song. Oh God, yeah, this is uh, uh, an amazing song, a, a an homage to uh, no doubt one of the big inspirations for the Metal Gear Solid series, uh, James Bond. Uh, let's go ahead and give Snake Eater a listen. <laughs> With darkness and silence through the night What a thrill I'm searching and I'll melt into you What a fear in my heart But you're so supreme the ladder man i could listen to that song all day yeah that is a phenomenal song i mean i'm biased because i really enjoy 
uh, nearly every James Bond opening theme. Like, even the ones that I don't like, I kind of like. Right, right. Uh, even the ones that are arguably bad songs, like uh, 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 Die Another Day from Madonna. Like, I kind of like that song. I shouldn't, but I do. <laughs> And so uh, I, I am immediately biased to like Snake Eater, which, you know, is essentially a, a kind of a, a send off to things like uh, uh, Shirley Bassey's mm-hmm. James Bond songs. Uh, you know, I, I feel like they they really uh, just did a solid job, not only with the song itself. There's a few lyrics in there that are kind of weird, like this one day you'll feed on a tree frog. Like that's kind of goofy sounding, but I guess it fits oh, the yeah. game. Well, it does. And like the line, like I, uh, I'll die for, uh, not for honor, but for you, like so cheesy, but there's a romance in the game, like with you and another character. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what it hints at. And that is also the same kind of thing that, you get in like a James Bond film is that that romance of like James is doing it for the girl most of the time. Um, I just, I love the era of like the jazz bat jazz club singer with the big band. I love that era of music. Oh, and yeah. this, this just tickles all the spots for me. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, uh, I, I would argue that that might be one of the just the best video game songs ever. Yeah, I, hands down. Uh, I think we had it in a fan bracket once, right? Or did we? No, we had it in an actual music bracket, didn't we? Uh, yeah, I think it was a music bracket for uh, what bracket was that? Was that opening theme? Was Snake Eater the opening theme? Or Maybe title it was the. Screen? No, I think it was. Yeah, the main theme. Uh, bracket we did mm-hmm. uh, theme song bracket or whatever yeah i know it lost it didn't make it to the finish line it should have made it to the finish it line should've. it I, was i blame the glitch for that i do too <laughs> i do too <laughs> uh well let's go ahead and listen to another song that we have here this is uh, uh a song called the fury uh, who this is the theme of one of the Cobra units uh, uh, characters in the game. Uh, let's go ahead and give this a listen.
and that is the Fury, which uh, I wouldn't say is like uh, you know nearly as much of a send off to James Bond as Snake Eater is. Uh, but I feel like there is certainly a pinch of John Barry mm-hmm. in there, uh, you know, which I guess it's, you know, a, a uh, you know, an espionage game based or based in the uh, 1960s. You know, I feel like a little bit of James Bond is kind of inevitable with the themes they're going for. Yeah, and it, it also has a little bit of Mission Impossible with some of the guitar and like the mm-hmm. jolt of like the blah, the blaring. Um, but it's also just a weird mix of big band again with industrial music, which I think is unique to Kojima. Like I don't think he's he's the kind of I feel like he has a hand in, in some of this music direction, or at least he knows the people he wants to do this because it's sure. it's there's so many styles mixed into this that. I, it's i wanted to share this because it's such a juxtaposition to that theme like there's stark differences in those songs but like i feel like they're coming from the same crazy mind i would uh, i would kind of agree with that yeah uh uh you know there it's interesting because when you hear that you don't think oh that must be from the guy who did shrek yeah right that's not what pops in my mind initially with either of these no, songs. No, no. and, and uh, ogres have layers. I just want to say that uh, ogres have layers. Listen, Chops, this music section, it's all ogre now. Right. Oh, God. Uh, how dare you? Uh, you know what? Uh, no other ogre puns come to mind. So, Chops, what are your final thoughts on... Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater. Um, I give my life, not not for honor, but for you. I, I, I give this game not because of how great it is, but because you should experience it. Like, I think everybody should play this game. It is a unique espionage game. There's nothing out there like it. There's many people who will try to be like this. Um, but it, I feel like this is the pinnacle of the series and is by far the, the best that you'll find in this in this genre. There is not a Metal Gear game that I will play. But if there was, <laughs> but if there was chops, yeah. this would be it. OK, if, if it was just a little bit more James Bond, would you play it? Uh. You know, throw in a bit more misogyny, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, you know, uh, a make giant him guy with teeth. <laughs> yeah, a guy with giant teeth. Well, it's actually, you know, hornets, giant teeth. That's pretty close, yeah, I guess. Together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, make a, a naked snake uh, a little bit more drunk, and uh, you know, make him a bit more misogynistic, and that's yeah, sure, then I'll play it. All right, cool. All right, good to know. I'll get right on that. <laughs> so, what do you say, Chops? We go ahead and jump on into our Retro Rewind. Ready to go back in time? It's Retro Rewind. Grand Theft Auto 3. I'll get into CDI starting at $2.99. Say it. Suck it, suck it up! The Nintendo Entertainment System. Now you're playing with power. So, Chops, we are covering 
uh, November 17th of 2004. Mm -hmm. And because it's after the 90s, I don't have access to my fancy uh, newspaper database, so I cannot depress you with the news. Oh, okay. That's all right. But instead, I will depress you with the music and movies of the time. How does that sound? That's fine with me. All right. So would you like to hear the top 10 uh, uh, Billboard 100 songs that were uh, uh, that week, uh, the week of... uh, uh, uh what is it the week 2004 yeah so uh the game came out on the 17th so yes this is the week of the 20th i have for you let's see 2004 uh there's gotta be a few boy bands in there maybe even some no doubt and remember this is the top 10 we're going over i want to say there's probably some usher in there well, let me go ahead and uh, uh, lay this on you because number one is my boo from Usher and Alicia Keys. Yep, knew it, knew it. Number two, drop it like it's hot. Snoop Dogg featuring Pharrell. Yep, uh, forever lives on. Lose my breath by Destiny's Child. Uh, over and over, Nelly featuring Tim McGraw. Uh, let's see, number five is Goodies by Ciara featuring Petey Pablo. Breakaway, Kelly Clarkson. Uh, Seven is She Will Be Loved by Maroon 5. I don't know why I kind of like Maroon 5, but I do. Same here. Uh, I shouldn't like them as much as I do. Uh, Number eight is Let's Go by Trick Daddy featuring Lil Jon and Twista. (laughs) Uh, This one is going to be a bit rough. Wonderful. Ja Rule featuring R. Kelly and uh, Ashanti. Uh, yeah, R. Kelly, not, not great. Uh, and then number 10 is Just Lose It by Eminem. Wow, lots of R&B and hip-hop. Yeah, I, I mean, that was a, a certainly, I mean, let's face it, that was getting more and more popular as the 90s went on. But by the early 2000s, yeah, it was crazy popular. Uh, but I, you know, we have like, you know, number 26, One Thing by Finger Eleven comes to my mind. Mm-hmm. We have LL Cool J in the uh, top 100. More Alicia Keys. Hoobastank? <laughs> uh, this we Love by Maroon 5, which is yeah. my favorite song from them. Uh, but are you ready for the movies? Yes. So this is such a grab bag. November of 2004 is nuts. I I will say I peeked at this, and uh, I can't wait to go over these with you. Okay, so uh, I'm going to rush through some of these and kind of touch on the highlights then. Mm -hmm. So uh, one of the highlights, The Incredibles. Yeah, great, great movie. Solid movie. Mickey's Twice Upon a Christmas. The Polar Express. That's um, my wife's favorite movie. I feel like the CG didn't age very well. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, it's uh, the CG is a little creepy, but uh, uh, the original book I really enjoyed as a kid. But yeah, the movie was kind of creepy because of the CG. Uh, Let's see. Alfie, After the Sunset, Finding Neverland, Seed of Chucky. Yeah, that one's weird. Kangaroo Jack, Good Day, USA. Was that the second one? Uh, I have no idea. Maybe. Okay. Okay. Uh, here's another sequel. Uh, Bridget Jones, The Edge of Reason. 
Mm, okay. National treasure. Wow. Uh, but then we have uh, 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 another kind of highlight for a lot of people is the SpongeBob SquarePants movie released then. Mm. Yeah. Uh-huh. Which wasn't terrible. I've, I've watched it. Uh, not sure. in theaters. I saw it uh, on cable eventually, but uh, yeah, it wasn't bad. Uh, Alexander, which I know nothing about. And then uh, Christmas with the Cranks. Mm-hmm. November had a lot of high points and a lot of low points. It did. Did you find, did you see what the highest grossing film for that year was? Oh no. What was that? Shrek (laughs) two. Full circle chops. I knew it. That's why I brought that up. Full circle. It's all over Uh, now. Oh man. Uh, I can't top that with my stuff. I I had a couple things I want to hit and hit on was that uh, November 5th, uh, Nobu Umatsu resigns from Square Enix and owns and starts his own business, Smile Please Company Limited. Wow. Which I don't know. I don't know much about his company. Do you? Well, I think it's basically just a way for him to, to you know, be a freelancer when it comes to uh, video game music, right? Mm-hmm. I th- yeah, that's basically what he did. Uh, well, he uh, let's see. He did uh, uh, for Mistwalker. He did the music for Blue Dragon after he left Square. Uh, Lost Odyssey, Lost which Odyssey. is another really great game. Yeah. He also did The Last Story, Terra mm-hmm. Battle. Um, he also did. Um, he got. Oh, sorry. He. um was originally going to create the theme song for Final Fantasy 13. Um, however, he got um, hired to do. Um, hold on, let me see. Um, he he just after he got uh, handed the mm-hmm. s- the whole score for Final Fantasy 14. He that's when he decided to kind of let that go and go over to somebody else. So he didn't, uh, he didn't, he kind of let go of the final fantasy series more so than I'm not going to lie. Uh, if there's any game in the final fantasy series that makes you go, I think I'm done with this. It being 13. That makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, no, that's fine. And I mean, 13 supposedly had a, a pretty solid soundtrack from what I've heard. It's pretty good. Uh, I don't think it compares to Nobuo Yamatsu's work. Uh, but you know, thirteen went in such a weird direction with Final Fantasy, and it just became weirder as you know uh, the, the Final Fantasies continued from there. Like uh, FF fifteen, right? Is that what I'm thinking of? The the road trip Final yes. Fantasy. Yes. Yeah. You know. I uh, so yeah. I, I think that uh, if there was a time for uh, Nobu Yamatsu to escape, yeah, no, he made the right choice. Um, other games though that were released that year, Craig. Yeah, the the fable se- the fable series started that oh, year. Oh yeah, you what had. Have... Oh, go ahead. Yeah, yep. The the Katamari Damacy st- series started in two thousand four. Oh, sweet. Monster Hunter, Red Dead Revolver, and World of Warcraft. Oh man, I uh, uh, it, it's been probably vaguely mentioned in previous episodes. Or maybe it was like a behind or a, a Game Shark episode, uh, but uh, I've I've been toying around with a little bit of uh, World of Warcraft classic, so uh, that is uh, that is wonderful to hear. 
And then uh, games released right around this game. Um, you have November 4th, The Minish Cap, Legend of Zelda. Wonderful game. You had Metroid Prime 2 Echoes on the 15th. Oh, solid. And uh, the last one I am going to mention here mm-hmm. is... What you got? Oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. I just choked on something. <laughs> um, is Half-Life 2. Wow, Half-Life 2. Man, I uh, I never had a good enough PC back then to play Half-Life 2. Uh, and it's it's one of those games, the classics that I just I know I missed out on and I'm kind of sad about. Yeah, I, I never got into the Half-Life series. It's one of those ones that I wish I would have at the time. And now I just don't I don't think I have the interest to go back into it. Well, I mean, they're never going to complete the series. Why would I bother yeah. getting into it now, knowing that it will it will forever remain an unfinished series? Right, right. Yeah, no, thank you. I, uh, but I, uh, chops. I uh, this would be the time to jump into our uh, music bracket, but we don't know what some of these outcomes are. Don't worry about that, Craig and Chops. I've got it. This week's matchup in our Robot Master theme stage bracket is between Snake Man from Mega Man 3, which is composed by Yasuaki Bun Bun Fujita. This is a fan favorite and uh, could potentially go all the way, but it's got a hard road against it. So let's take a quick listen to Snake Man. Mega Man 9, composed by Ippo Yamada.
another tough choice for us this week. But if you want to make your vote heard, here's how you can do it. You can go to our Discord in our emoji poll posted every week on Thursday, right around noon, if we remember. Or you can go to our Legend of Retro Facebook page and do a reaction poll there. You can also go to Twitter at Legend of Retro GZ and make your vote known there. Or you can go to patreon.com slash Media and become a $1 patron, allowing you to have an additional vote for our bracket. It also gets you the state of the Zilla podcast once a month where random members of the GameZilla crew jump in to talk about whatever they feel like. Or if you're feeling extra generous, you can do the $5 level, which gets you everything we already mentioned, as well as all the bonus shows that our network has to offer, including Game Shark from The Legend of Retro, Last Action Podcast post credit scene, and Behind the DM Screen for Noobs and Dragons. So if you want your voice heard between Snake Man and Splash Woman, you know where to go. You know who to pay. And let's just hope you make the right choice. I don't care. All of my choices have been knocked out. Let's go back to the past. Metal Gear. Colonel, what's gotten into you? Are we back from the future now? The future was scary, Chops. <laughs> oh, okay. Thanks, Snake Greg. <laughs> You're welcome. Don't mind me. I'm just going to crawl into this cardboard box like a cat. All right. You just stay there and hang out. Meow. Anyways, how, I guess, uh, what, what do we do from here, Cardboard Box Snake, Craig? Uh, I think we tell everyone that we're going to end the episode. I need to oh, okay. get to some business here in this cardboard box. Okay, okay. <laughs> I don't know what to do right now. We'll see y'all next time <laughs> when, when the legend, legend continues. in every episode we do yes yes you can please do wonderful can't wait to get to persona 4 were were we supposed to plug how to vote i'm sure xander will take care of it (laughs) okay